Welcome to the NTI Spotlight podcast, the show that shines a spotlight on the issues impacting the Australian transport and logistics industry and the people who power it. On today's episode, we're talking about everyone's favourite subject, the weather. With a third consecutive La Nina event predicted by meteorologists, weather is likely to pose a threat to businesses across the country, particularly over the summer months. We're joined today by NTI's team of risk engineers to discuss the importance of being business ready and prepared for whatever weather events come our way. Welcome guys. Could you introduce yourselves and give us a brief insight into your backgrounds, please? Thanks, Nigel. I'm Hayden Reed, NTI's Mobile Plant and Equipment Risk Engineer. I come from a background with a civil and mining contractor um, as a plant engineer um, and previous to that with a trade certificate in diesel fitting with about 15 years experience. A lot of um, that work revolved around uh, project resourcing and understanding the life cycle costs of mobile plant and equipment. My name's Paul Bresson. Um, I've uh, recently joined NTI. I'm from the transport and logistics industry. Uh, having spent 20 years in that industry, uh, my background is predominantly risk management and health and safety and well-being of, of staff. G'day, Nige. I'm Kurt Heron. I'm the logistics risk engineer. Uh, my background is in international shipping and logistics, uh, where I spent 15 years in operations, sales and management, uh, focusing on projects, break bulk and heavy lift. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to throw back to you now, Hayden, and ask you to provide a brief summary of what our risk engineering team does here at NTI. Yeah, Nigel, that's a good one. Um, what we do as risk engineers is really try and interface with, the, uh, with our clients and understand what they do, how they do it, and uh, what uh, gaps they may have in any of their business practices um, to see if we can um, bring anything from either our industry experience or what we um, know happens out there in other industries to try and assist our clients um, do things better, <laughs> um, that re- uh, reduce their operational risk. Overall, it's something that really complements uh, the insurance offering quite well. Now, I'm going to throw to you, Kurt. What's this La Nina all about? Well, La Nina, simply put, is a weather pattern that happens in the Pacific Ocean. So on any normal year, uh, winds along the equator will push west. Uh, Those winds in a La Nina year are much stronger than usual. So La Nina will blow warm water towards Australia, which then affects the rainfall and the storm activity that comes with it. So in a La Nina year, we can expect more rain than usual. We can also expect more severe storms, more cyclonic activity and more flooding risk as well. Uh, This is heightened when we are already on sodden ground. Now, some of these weather events can still take us by surprise. Whilst we know that La Nina is a pattern that we're likely to see again over the summer, what sort of things can businesses do now to be prepared for that? Uh, For me, it's about emergency procedures. So when did you last have an emergency evacuation drill? Uh, When did you have a fire drill? Um, You know, do you have all of the local emergency contact numbers? Now, the simple one is triple zero, but also things like the local council, the SES, things like that posted up in your business that in times of crisis are easily findable. It would also be pertinent to communicate as well through the business on who your staff need to call in the event of an emergency. You may not be there when 
the crisis happens. So for me, uh, you know, who does what and where needs to be clearly communicated well before time. Now, Paul, that uh, also brings into consideration business continuity planning, some of the things there that Kurt was talking about, about being prepared for these types of events. What can you offer in terms of where businesses could be prepared in that respect? Yeah, thanks, Nigel. Um, As uh, Kurt alluded to, having a business continuity plan uh, is all about preparation, what to do uh, in the event of an emergency situation where the business cannot operate as it normally would. Uh, It's important to communicate that business continuity plan uh, to your staff and to anyone involved in that business continuity plan. So everyone um, does know exactly what happens and what to do in the event of an emergency. Having things like emergency contact numbers uh, readily available, uh, what to do if you're Uh, business or premises are inundated by floodwaters. Um, The preservation of life is certainly the number one priority, but uh, the operation itself, your equipment, your vehicles, uh, have a backup plan ready to go in case of that emergency. That's really great advice. Thanks, Paul. As well as that side of it from the health and safety, uh, there's also a practical side of, uh, you know, I guess, archive documents or files that might be kept in premises. Hayden, have you got any advice there? Yeah, that's um, something that we often see overlooked um, in this uh, planning for events is understanding what documents and files you need in your day-to-day operations and making sure that they're available or or put somewhere safe that you can access them. These are things like uh, the old school paper documents as well as a lot of um, files um, and other things that you'd store on your local servers. It's really good uh, practice to sit back and think about um, where a lot of this information is stored and how critical it is to your business um, and try and um, develop some workarounds to make sure that if the worst were to occur, you can keep uh, the day-to-day operations going. This extends to uh, backups of individual computers. It's important to think about things like your paper files, where are they stored, can they be moved to another location and do you have copies of these? Other things such as your computer hard drives and the like Are they stored elsewhere and do you have access to them from, say, the cloud? And are these backed up regularly so that information that's been recently stored is available? Thanks, Hayden. That's great advice. Like, I know most of us tend to uh, love to save things to our desktop. So in the event of flood inundation, you're going to be starting from scratch again. Now, you guys work across different areas of the industry. Uh, You're all specialists in your own field. So extreme weather impacts each of these industries slightly differently. So I'm just going to ask you if you want to share some top tips for mitigating risks in the different types of weather events, storm, flood or fire. So I might throw to you first, Kurt. Yeah, look, in uh, in that aspect, Nige, I think uh, preparation and communication are the, are the big ways to get ready. But the most part, on the cargo side of the business, freight is designed to move. And I heard a great quote last week, uh, you know, in extreme weather, freight tends to stop moving. Uh, But freight at rest is freight at risk. So you really need to understand what your concerns and what the potential issues are in the event of storm, fire, flood. Um, Inherently, they're they're very similar yet very different. Um, 
you need to understand whether your issues are access to that cargo, whether it is uh, a damage issue, whether it's an accumulation issue. Once you fully understand the risk of extreme weather on your business, then you can come up with specific mitigations. Uh, For me, it's all about the business continuity plan. What have you put in place? How long ago did you put it in place? And have you tested it? It's all well and good to have a piece of paper that says this is what we do in an emergency, but if it's two feet underwater, what what good is it to anybody? The other side of that is communication. So for things like storms, flooding, fires, there tend to be some small windows of uh, opportunity to get things ready. Um, it's very... It does happen, but, you know, very rarely do you wake up and your business is flooded. You'll tend to know that things are coming. So what are you doing to communicate that? So to both your people and your customers, as well as your suppliers, uh, you know, bad news is easier to take the earlier you receive that. So understanding that risk, preparing for that risk and communicating that risk. They're the three major ones I look for uh, when we deal with customers that handle freight daily. Great advice. I love that uh, saying that you pulled out there, freight at rest is freight at risk. I loved it too. Yeah. (laughs) Paul, I'm sure that uh, applies in the transport uh, side of business as well. Yeah, certainly, um, Kurt's uh, spot on. It's it's also really important to, you know, understand uh, with various depots around the, uh, whether it be uh, regional areas or metro regions, uh, it's important for the business to understand if they are actually in a flood zone first. Uh, That will certainly help them to develop that business continuity plan uh, and taking things into consideration like, um, uh, you know, can they get their vehicles to higher ground? Um, Keeping track of weather patterns will certainly allow the, uh, the business to be a little bit prepared and they will have time to get equipment up to higher ground. Um, and as Kurt uh, uh, keeps alluding to, you know, communication and training um, to have everyone on the same page when it comes to an emergency situation uh, is extremely important. Um, it, it just adds to the confusion if there are members of your staff that aren't aware of what's going on. Well, can I, can I throw a question out to you? If, if you were running a transport company, what are the three main websites that you would be watching heading into a La Nina summer? Uh, firstly, uh, it would be anything to do with, uh, with weather, something like uh, Bureau of Meteorology. There's a lot of um, different apps out there um, that can also uh, track weather patterns. Uh, certainly the SES um, is, is another um, organisation can, that can assist um, Department of Transport, uh, even even things like uh, preparing and communicating on your um, travel plans or, or your um, your load plans, where the drivers are going, uh, and having those weather patterns uh, known to you um, that are provided by different organisations will help you to identify whether drivers already out on the road. Uh, may be subject to um, to risk. I could put one more out there. I'd say the NTI website would have some good resources too. Oh, certainly. NTI would be 
would be one of them. I didn't mention it because I thought uh, everyone would already be aware of it. So um, we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the NTI no, website no, at some point. I think. No. So certainly, NTI um, is the the uh, the first um, port of call that can assist you with uh, with all your needs. Excellent. Great question, Kurt. Thanks, Paul. Really good uh, information. Hayden, what about in the uh, mobile plant and equipment area? What uh, sort of advice have you got there for those events? Obviously, looking at mobile plant and equipment, it's quite varied. um, And that can be varied in the sense of the actual tasks that these uh, businesses are doing, but also how they're um, spread out across the country and and the nature of um, how they work. Um, So I suppose it all comes back to understanding your BCP understanding the risk exposures that you have and putting things in place to make sure that it's well managed and that um, people are aware of what to do when things go wrong. And just also being aware that uh, business by its nature tends to drift. So as the tasks that you're doing change or or the weather patterns are changing, as we're talking about today, um, being aware of that and revisiting um, your BCP to make sure that you've got um, a rough plan in place at at the minimum um, and make sure that your people know what to do. Um, if the worst does uh, come to fruition. I, I actually have a question for Hayden too. I'm full of questions today. Go for it, Kurt. Um, from, from a plant and equipment perspective, um, obviously we know the issues that uh, vehicles in particular will have after being inundated in flood water or, or heavy weather. Is there any preparation, say for an example, if you had a fleet of bobcats, um, is there any preparation that can be done you know, prior to, can wheel bearings be greased better? Is there covers that can go on these things to prepare on the on the off chance that there is an issue, but the machine can still keep working as it's designed? Overarchingly, overarchingly the answer is probably no. It's probably best to just move the equipment out of the area. Um, the time that it would take to do any um, preventative or preemptive work would probably be um, not time well spent um, if you're anticipating, for example, floodwaters or fire to be coming through. Um, the best advice is to try and move that equipment to safer ground. Um, obviously, after flooding occurs or, or fires occur um, or other events, um, there's definitely some things that you can do pretty quickly um, after the event that should uh, retain some uh, further retain some of the value of that equipment rather than leaving it to, say, rust. Um, and, but that, uh, those type of practices are best um, taken in discussion with uh, somebody who has technical expertise in that area um, because it really can be case by case depending on the type of equipment, what happened to it, how high, again, we keep going back to flood, but how high the flood levels got um, and what are the, some of the components that are at risk um, of that equipment, i.e. engine, transmission, diff, wheel bearings, things like that. Um, so it, it really, to give some um, broad answers now would probably be remiss of me. Hayden, just to um, expand on um, what Kurt was asking a little bit about that preventative side of things, if the business has only got a, a, a window of time which is limited to, I guess, mitigate against um, you know the flood or a fire coming in on them, how do they work? How does the business generally work out? Well, which machines are they going to move or save or whatever? 
Yeah, that's a really interesting question um, and something that I think uh, is of value to discuss because um, a lot of times, say, we're talking to customers, um, they may say, yeah, I've got access to this um, other piece of land that I can move equipment to, um, but being mindful that they may only have one or two floats or be reliant on third-party um, towing operators that may not be able to assist them because everybody in the area is also trying to move equipment. Um, this flows into your um, BCP to a certain extent to understand um, what can be done and in what, what time frame it's going to take to do that. Um, looking at the certain items of equipment, um, I wouldn't propose the, the best avenue would be to be looking at, say, just values of equipment. Um, and obviously there's, there is a fair few variables in it into thinking what items can you, how many items can you put on one truck or float at the same time and things like that. But basically I'd be looking at what is the most critical to my business? How can I keep running day to day with the least impact? And I'd be looking at moving those items first um, and with the intent to still try and move some of those other items if time permits. That's excellent advice. And I think, like you point out, it does wrap up into that BCP, which is something that um, if anybody listening to the podcast, if you need any assistance with that, then these uh, three guys here have got a lot of experience in working with our customers and, you know, being able to just sort of point out some of the things that could be included in those types of, uh, you know, documents and um, planning uh, exercises. I think uh, in going across that, Nige, is also people will overlook the very simple questions. So you think about, you know, when did you last do a fire drill? And people will say, well, everybody knows that we go out the front. But when there is a raging fire, you don't have time to think about that. And where is my muster point? Um, you know, so the simpler questions, the better when it goes into a BCP, because you then have it laid out Everybody knows it's been tested, it's been communicated, and when there is an issue, you don't have to go stop, think, and then decide what you're going to do. You already know. I think it's also important to recognise that um, in a situation such as a flood or a flash flood, uh, the assembly area may not be available anymore, the the normal assembly area that you would assemble at if there was like a, a, a fire situation. It may not be available anymore. It may too be underwater by the time you get there. So uh, your BCP should certainly consider allowing time for your staff members to get home after they've prepared your site the best way they can to mitigate any any losses. But uh, yes, it's certainly important to allow the time for people to, to get home, to get to their destinations so that they can also be uh, safe in the, in the event of a flood. There's so many aspects to this, isn't there, Paul, that, uh, you know, we could talk about this probably for another hour, but I guess that's the benefit of our customers having three uh, risk engineers who specialise in the different areas of our businesses that uh, NTI provides cover for. We like to think so. I think uh, on that note, thanks everybody for tuning in today to the NTI Spotlight podcast. Uh, Hopefully uh, the advice and the information that the guys have given today or help you feel a little bit, uh, I guess, better informed about how to prepare for what could be, once again, a very, very wet summer. For insurance brokers looking to generate a CPD certificate for this episode, please visit partner.nti.com.au forward slash weather 22 podcast. That URL again is partner dot nti.com.au forward slash weather 
22 podcast.